0: From WCVB Channel 5 Podcasts and SportsCenter 5, it's Take 5 with Chris Gasper. Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the Take 5 Podcast. Today's guest, Mike Giardi of the NFL Network. Mike also used to work here in the Boston area. He's well known to everyone, does a fantastic job covering the NFL. And he's also sort of the unofficial Jimmy Garoppolo Biographer. On this podcast, we talk with Mike about Tom Brady going to a 10th Super Bowl and the first one without Bill Belichick. We also discuss who the Patriots' best quarterback option is for 2021, and it's not who you think in terms of Mike's opinion. I think the best option, Ellen, is Jimmy G. And it's really interesting to me because I think Bill Belichick looks at Jimmy G as the one who got away. Obviously, a tough <laughs> season for Bill, but when Jimmy G went to the Super Bowl last year, Bill Belichick sent him a congratulatory text. I have no idea whether he's done that or not with Tom Brady, but it just sort of seems like maybe the emotions involved in this are a little different for Bill Belichick with Brady than they were for Garoppolo.
1: Do we really think that this is keeping Bill Belichick up at night?
0: I don't know if it's keeping him up at night, but I think that these two guys are very competitive. They're two all-time greats, and they've been jockeying for the top platform on the medal stand of history. And I think it has to sting a little bit. If you're Bill, you suffer your first losing season in, what, 17, 18 years, and then you're watching your ex, your ex-quarterback, go to the Super Bowl and get celebrated by everybody nationally.
1: I guess that's very true. And I guess there is a part of me that wants to see Tom Brady win to kind of stick it to Bill Belichick. But I think they might just be like exes who have moved on and they're just ready for what's best in their lives.
0: Ah, I liked it. That's a very mature professional approach. So you're saying they're sort of like the Kristen Cavalieri, Jake Cutler. Oh,
1: well, have you seen that gossip that's I, been going on this well, weekend? I they with... had that photo they posted together
0: <laughs> where they basically said, hey, you know, 10 years together, you can't break that. And maybe for Brady and Belichick, you're saying 20 years together, you can't break that bond?
1: Well, it's kind of like, you know, we saw this weekend that Bridget Monaghan tweeted to Tom Brady saying, you said you were going to do it and you did it. Congratulations. They might just both be classy and want to move on. And, you know, we might be saying this about Bill Belichick and Jimmy G one day.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I just sort of look at it this way. I think that Bill Belichick clearly wishes no ill will to Tom Brady. But it's also like, He probably doesn't want to see him lighting it up in year one without him and going to the Super Bowl. You know, it's kind of like if you have an ex, you you don't want anything bad to happen to them. You want them to be happy, but you also don't want to see their engagement photos splashed all over Instagram when you've been broken up for six months.
1: Wow. That is so true. And that hits hard. (laughs) Wow. I couldn't agree more. You're just sitting there watching TV. You got pizza on your stomach and then your your ex-boyfriend is engaged to some, some individual.
0: (laughs) That's what this is like for the Patriots and Bill Belichick with Super Bowl 55. In a way, it's sort of a no win for the Patriots, because if the Chiefs win, they're the first team since the Patriots to go back to back. And Andy Reid accomplishes something that Bill Belichick accomplished. And if Brady Mm -hmm. wins, he wins the Super Bowl without the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And that's not ideal either. But I do think better times are ahead for the Patriots. And Mike Giardi is ahead for you guys. That's next. Hey, Boston, let's talk sports. WCVB Sports Center 5, the contact. Source at MLB tells me. Expert analysis. That's going to be a major point of contention. On air. I talked to a high ranking source. And exclusive articles free on the WCVB app. Duke Castiglione, Chris Gasper, Bob Halloran, and special correspondent Mike Lynch. Again, the strongest team covering Boston's teams. The only game in town. WCVB Sports Center 5 on Boston's news leader. All right, now, as promised, we're joined by Mike Giardi of the NFL Network. You guys are all familiar with Mike and his work in the Boston area, before with NBC Sports Boston. Now he's big-time, big-time national reporter. But he has great institutional knowledge of the Patriots and the league. So I want to start here. Obviously, the big story nationally and locally is Tom Brady going to a 10th Super Bowl. This is the 10th time, Mike, in 19 seasons as a starter that he's gone. That's incredible. It's more than 50% of the time. What does going to this Super Bowl and his first year in Tampa and his first year without Bill Belichick mean to Tom Brady's legacy?
2: I mean, I I don't think he could have altered his legacy based on what he's done. But again, it's just another thing to put on the resume that's pretty impressive, especially when you consider, you know, sort of the sad sack franchise that Tampa Bay has been for the better part of of uh, their from birth till now. Right. I mean, the one Super Bowl. But and a couple of near misses, but by and large, they've been an irrelevant franchise and he made them the 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 center of the universe this year throughout the COVID process with the with the workouts on the backfields and some private school in Tampa and 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 through the season and some of the highs and lows. And it's funny, yesterday going into that game with Green Bay, you know, I thought to myself, from a talent perspective, I think Tampa has a little bit more talent, but I thought from a coaching really? perspective I put the coaching, I thought Green Bay had better coaching and it's not the way it played out. I think Tampa outcoached them. They outplayed them. And even, you know, they were able to over, Brady was awesome in the first half, early third quarter. And they were, they were good enough to overcome him making some mistakes late in the game. It's just, that team is a team now. You know, we, we want to put it all on like Brady changed the culture and maybe he helped change the culture for sure. But they got some dogs on the other side they of that do. ball that they are do. making great plays and I mean, Devin White's a star in my mind. Levante David's been a star. We just we didn't pay attention to him. So uh, they've become a true team, and it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun to see it come together.
0: It is a lot of fun, and I am one of those Bradyophiles who does give him credit for changing the culture. I know. I know. Because I just think, look, there's an idea there where he gives a team a certain belief, and you've heard that from a lot of people in Tampa, including Coach Bruce Arians.
2: The belief he gave everybody on this organization that this could be done. It only took one man. So when you're
0: hearing it from those guys down there, they're saying, hey, you know, he gave this organization a belief. And I, I do think that there are intangibles there with Brady. It's not just about the numbers, but I feel like he gives this team this idea. And we saw it with the Patriots, Mike, that there's this belief of you can win any game and you're never out of a game. And having Tom Brady means never having to say you're sorry.
2: I would, I would argue that Tampa has been as good for Tom as Tom has been for Tampa. I don't think there were very many situations this offseason, and I know, you know some of the, his desires about where he wanted to go that actually would have meshed as well as what he was able to inherit in Tampa. And then, of course, knowing, I think, in the back of his head that um, Gronk was going to be coming along for the ride and that there was an opportunity to convince the brass that Antonio Brown should come along for the ride and add that to the mix that they had. So I think – He's benefited from that collection, but to your point, I I do agree. I think there's a there's a feeling that even though he made mistakes in the game this uh, yesterday, big that, mistakes. That's not yeah, but that's not who he is in general. And I think you looked at their their team last year when Jameis throws the 30 touchdowns and 5,200 yards passing, but he also throws the 30 picks. And now there's a defense that's really talented that ended up, I think, last year giving up 128 points off of turnovers, which was number one in the league by far. Well, you knew immediately in signing Brady, what's that number going to cut down to, 15? On a bad year for Brady, is he going to throw 15 picks? You know, on a normal year, he's throwing 10 picks? Like – Immediately, you become a better team because this guy values the football and he's just such a smart football player. So I I do think that there are certain intangibles that you can't
0: measure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And again, you know, the three interceptions, uh, obviously not good. I thought there was some overly aggressive, I think, decision making by Tom. And I'd say the same for Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians. Like they're up 28 to 10. They pick up a first down on two runs by Leonard Fournette. And then it's two deep shots. The first one, Chris Godwin deep. I thought he was interfered with. No call. Second one is Tom chucking it to Mike Evans. That's the first pick. That's all on Tom. The second pick, I thought, not the greatest throw, but if you're Mike Evans, even if you don't catch that, you sort of have to be not catching it as you're trying to bring it in. It can't go off your hands. I don't put as much of that one on Tom. And then the third one was a complete chuck and duck. It just was not... Good. You can argue that was sort of like a punt because it was third and two. Leonard Fournette missed a blitz pickup, but it's like, just throw it out of bounds or just throw it at the, at, at the ground. You know, there were times in this game where I was frustrated saying as much as I believe Brady's rubbed off on the Buccaneers, Mike, but there were also times yesterday where I was like, man, I think the Bucks rubbed off too much on Tom Brady.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I Look, I think, I think one of the attractive parts about Tampa to Tom, we're talking about all the talent that was going to be around him. is also sort of the freedom to just, get out of that box that we, you know, maybe he feels like he's been painted in as I'm a guy who operates between the numbers. And I mean, I, my, my little shifty slot guy. And that's, that's where I feed off of. I feed off the tight end running down the seam. I want to, I want to let it ride a little bit. I want to, I want to throw it. I want to show people that, you know, at 43, I can still cut it with anybody in this league. And there are times where that's actually worked for him. And there are times where, you know what, Tom, there's a reason why you've had a lot of success, for many reasons. And part of it is because you know where to throw the ball, pinpoint accuracy, get a guy for run after the catch, and you do some of your best work in between the hashes and in between the numbers. Maybe just maybe just go back to that. Maybe just do that.
0: It's a good point, Mike. It really is. I mean, again, I'll say, you know, there were six drops and or deflections. I'll count yep. the Evans thing not as a drop, but as a deflection. His numbers could have looked different than the 20 of 36 for 280. weeks he
2: was awesome in the... He was awesome in the first half. He was. I I, I think every throw he made in the first half was exactly where it needed to be. He had the one where I think it was Scotty Miller in the right flat where he kind of chucked it behind him. But like every throw down the field was like, God, I've seen this movie a million times. (laughs) he He is absolutely dissecting them.
0: What I've seen in the best Patriots teams and what I am seeing right now in this Tampa team as it's won seven in a row, Mike, is there's great balance between the offense and the defense. Green Bay had been playing really, really well defensively. They had a stretch where they were not even allowed, and for their last five games entering the NFC title game, they hadn't even allowed 20 points per game. They hadn't even allowed a team to reach 20. Tampa puts 31 on them. To me, that's good complementary football.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that there is such a balance with that group, and you're seeing some of the, the players on defense sort of step into the limelight and. I mean, I, I can't say enough about Devin White. Yo, he's, he's a, unbelievable. He is, he is everywhere, <laughs> and that's not a little dude. That's a big dude yes. who runs like he's a running back. He is Luke and keighley esque at this point. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's just a tremendous football player, and he's he's become a star, I think, in this postseason for sure. And that's that's a great point about balance. The best Patriot teams always had balance. It wasn't one side or the other. They had to marry those things together. Um, even when you look at the the early run of Super Bowls, when you say that was built on defense more than it was built on brady but brady in the offense made a lot of big plays in big games to make those things happen so it, it to be a to be a great team to be an all-time team that's what you have to have
0: what, what's your early feel on this game these teams played obviously in tampa at raymond james stadium and it was a kansas city win 27 24 that ha- that happened earlier in the year you go back and look at that game mike Kansas City really sort of had their way. Mahomes, 37-49, 462 yards, three touchdowns. And then really the killer was Tyree Kill. I, these numbers look like they're out of a video game. 13 catches on 15 targets for 269 yards and three touchdowns. He averaged 20.7 yards a reception. If there's a repeat of that, if the Chiefs run that back, then there's no way Tom's getting a seventh Super Bowl ring.
2: Well, and in that game too, if you remember correctly, like Tampa made a late push on that one, and to me that was sort of a microcosm of Kansas City's season to this point. Prior to to yesterday, in that they they did it when they wanted to do it, and then they got bored. And yesterday was the first time in a long time I felt like. Kansas City controlled from start to finish. I never, I know Buffalo was hinting around a couple different times and I was like, it doesn't matter. They score a touchdown here. Kansas City will go, okay, fine. We're going to go back to Tyreek on a slant. You can't run with him. It's a 70 yard gain and we're, we're back in control. So I, I feel like if that's the Kansas City team that shows up in two weeks, that there's not a team in the league that can beat them, not Tom Brady, not the defense the way they're playing. I think that they're just, there's too much speed. And the quarterback can do so many things off of it. and Andy and, and Eric Bieniemy's scheme is so good for him and what they do that I think it's it's difficult. I have a ton of respect for Todd Bowles. Yeah, I, me I think too. Todd Bowles is gonna go in the lab for these two weeks, and I think he's gonna come up with a good plan. But I just wonder if at the end of the day, you just have enough athletes in that secondary to keep up with the Hardman's and Hills and and you know Sammy Watkins should be full go by then. Like I just think there's there's almost too much.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, an advantage for the Buccaneers and being the first team to play the Super Bowl on their home field. There'll be 22,000 fans there. We'll see how much of a difference that makes. But also, I think they're going to have to run the football and run it better than they did against Green Bay. I mean, I know Leonard Fournette had their 20-yard touchdown run, but overall, they had 24 attempts for 76 yards. You need to be able to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field offensively. They're going to have to run the ball a little better. But Ronald Jones did have a big game, in that first matchup, uh, averaging seven yards per carry. So I want to sort of segue a little bit to the Patriots here, Mike. What do you think Brady playing in this 10th Super Bowl means for the Patriots? Does it mean anything to Bill Belichick? Does it light a fire under Bill Belichick in any way?
2: I think the fire is lit under Bill because they didn't achieve what he had hoped they were going to achieve this year. I think he thought that with Cam... They would get competent quarterback play and some of the younger pieces would come along and they'd be a they'd be a playoff team. And and they weren't. They, they were far far from that, even though some people kept propagating the path. <clears throat>
0: that is true. I
2: did. You know, I I, I, um, I guess I had too much faith in Bill
0: and not enough faith in the other teams in the AFC.
2: Yeah, and it's true. And I think there were moments where Cam not nearly enough, but there were moments where you thought, well, maybe he's turned the corner again. Maybe he's gonna give you something different, and it just it didn't happen. So I think they're going to be motivated by that and surely that. But look, throwing Tom Brady getting to a Super Bowl or or worse yet for New England, him winning a Super Bowl, then, yeah, maybe that throws a little, you know what? We weren't going to give up that extra third round pick for this guy. But you, you know what? Screw it. Let's go. Let's do, Let's just do it. Let's just do it. So but they have a lot of work to do. I know they have a ton of cap room. And I think a lot of people are like, well, tons of cap room. They'll go get this, they'll go get that. And Well, there's also players on their own roster that they have to decide if they're going to pay. And if they don't pay them, they don't have ready built replacements for them. So it's not as if they can go out and, sh- you know, take two wide receivers off the market, the two top guys and go get the quarterback and, and, and go get the defensive tackle or the linebacker that they need. Some of this stuff is going to have to be done creatively or through the draft. And, That's why I think it's a little bit longer of a process than maybe people were kind of hoping for.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I think that, again, you had Tony Romo saying at the end of that AFC title game, look out for the Patriots. You know, they're going to be right back.
2: I'm telling you, New England's going to get back in this thing. I have a feeling Belichick with that much salary cap, he'll find a way to come back in this thing.
0: I I don't know if Romo's right. You know, I I don't know if that's true. Uh, Certainly, Bill Belichick with cap space is scary. Here's what I wonder, if if Bill at all changes sort of philosophically how he looks at building a roster, because it's been so successful for so long, but it's always been about next man up, and I've always felt there's one quarterback that made that possible, and it was Tom Brady. And I've always felt there was one position where you can't just say next man up and another cog, and that is the quarterback position. And I go to Ian O'Connor's book. Which is excellent. He's an excellent, excellent journalist. Mm-hmm. And there are Patriots coaches in their quarters saying that Bill's system made Brady not the other way around and that the Patriots feel like they could win with any of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you think that's still the prevailing notion in Foxborough? Because I think one of the things Bill does so well, Mike, is he adjusts. Do you think he yeah. changes here? Do you think that 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 theory changes? I,
2: th- I think he has to change. And I think, we you, again, you just saw this weekend – you saw four of the best quarterbacks, different age brackets. We got the old guys on one side and the young guys on the other, but probably the guys that were the four best or f- four of the five best all year long, they, are, they were playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. You, and I, I just, as I watched it, I tweeted at one point like, geez, it's, you know, imagine that, you know, good quarterback play. is important to <laughs> having a good football team. Like, I'm going to say this. I think everybody has to say it because we, I enjoyed covering Cam. He, he was more mature than I thought. I'd heard some different stories. None of that played out the way I had it in my head, the preconceived notion I, I had in my head about what Cam was going to be. I thought he was awesome to deal with on many levels. He took responsibility for a lot of different things, but it was bad play. It was bad quarterback play. He threw for 2,600 yards in 15 games in a league where you close your eyes and throw for 250 and two touchdowns every week. Crappy quarterbacks do this. You couldn't get that out of your quarterback. And I, I don't think that there's any way they can look at what happened. And Brian Hoyer stepping in that game in Kansas City and not being able to get Jared Stidham any quality reps because – we're not wanting to. Right, exactly, because clearly something's not there that, that we had been pitched in the offseason could very well be there. I don't know how they can't look at that position now and say, we, we can't take that approach again.
1: Mike, when it comes to the whole Tom versus Bill argument – do you think that because of the COVID times that we're living in, it was just easier to be a good quarterback than it was to be a good coach? I
2: think it's excuse making, and I feel, and and I think I'm sure you guys have talked about this at various points over the year. I know I've heard Chris talk about it on the radio. There was a lot of excuse making coming out of Foxborough, and you know, Bill said it's just explaining what happened. Yeah, but you never explain stuff in the past. Like, yeah, COVID was it, it has impacted everybody, but yet. All these teams with young quarterbacks. Joe Burrow looked damn good. I know they weren't a winning program, but he put him in the right direction before he blew out his knee. He had no time in the system. Uh, Herbert gets the call, you know, two seconds before the first game or whatever it was because they punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung, and he has a phenomenal season. So I just think that they didn't do a good enough job assembling talent on the roster and adjusting on the fly, and and they got burned. and and again, go to your point, at the the quarterback, because I, I still believe if they had gotten competent quarterback play, that they're a nine and seven football team and nine and seven, I don't know, a break here or there. Maybe you're 10 and six and maybe you're in the playoffs. It just, they didn't, they didn't get that. And, and they have no one to blame but themselves for that.
1: Right. And Mike, I know you're, you're well known, at least in my head as being one of the best dressed. He people. is.
2: He is but one of the best. Not, <laughs> not today, <laughs> well, but, yeah. No, yeah
1: Maybe not today, but that's okay. We all deserve an off day. Um, What was your favorite outfit from Cam Newton this year?
2: Oh, he had so many good ones. I mean, pretty much everything that he wore, he's about the only one that could wear it, right? I mean, like (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I
1: think I could see you in a fez. uh,
2: Well, maybe. Um, I kind of like the yellow one. Not gonna lie to you. Remember the the full yellow thing? Yes, yes, yes. The mask. um, And again, I don't think I can do yellow. I don't think that's a that's a Giardi color. Again, I don't think that's very much for anybody, but for him, he pulled it off. He he was a badass. He rocked it.
0: Well, that, that, I have to say, that's high praise when, when Mike Giardi is giving you fashion praise. So, you know, Cam Newton, if he does not come back, at least he has that. He has <laughs> Mike Giardi telling him he is a trendsetter. So sticking on the quarterback theme here, I want to ask you about uh, a name that now is available, Matthew Stafford. And I've always looked at Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions as sort of a maybe better version of Drew Bledsoe um, when you look at his his career and, and what he's done in his career. Now, that's a guy that could be out there for the Patriots. Y- you look at what he's done, again, 12 seasons, just twice. He's posted double-digit wins and not since 2014. He has four winning seasons total and no winning seasons since 2017. But again, he's playing for the Detroit Lions, so you have to give him a little leeway there. If you're the Patriots, would you go in on Stafford? And there's some scuttlebutt that Detroit wants a first-round pick. Would you give up 15 for Matthew Stafford?
2: I would not. I would not give up 15 for Stafford. Um, I look at Stafford as sort of being in that 10 to 15 range. So someone you, he's good enough that you could win with if you surround him with enough, and someone who's capable at various moments of probably elevating your your football team. I certainly admire his toughness. I think he's one of the tougher guys at that position the ideal scenario here chris is to trade up in the top 10 and, and get the quarterback for the next 10 years and stafford's 32 going on 33 he's had a lot of physical issues including a back problem the last couple of years in particular um that's that scares me i mean i, I made the point obviously he, he and patricia i know from stafford's side there's not a lot of love for patricia really no i don't i don't yeah what's don't, the genesis of that think, so when i say that I don't know how much influence Stafford's going to have in the process, right? Because he went to the owner and said, you know, I think it's time for a change. And if you talk to people about Detroit's ownership, one of the things about Detroit's ownership, and one of the reasons why it's still kind of considered a good job is because they're really loyal in that front office. And I wonder if in allowing Matt to say, I want to go and them saying, we're going to, we're going to do this for you, that that's the end of Matt's influence on what happens, and this is more of a reaction to social media than anything. But I saw so many people after that news like, oh, well, the Patriots, it's obvious. I mean, not just for the Patriots to go get him, but he's going to want the Patriots. Guys, there, there's six or seven teams out there that could make a case to be Matt Stafford suitors who might be better off right now to win than you are. So again, if he has some sort of influence on what happens, you've got to start comparing yourself to the other teams, too, as to whether or not, like, hey, does he look at Washington and say, "Hey, Washington might be a better situation than than New England." playing for Rivera, more of a players coach than Bill. How many more years does Bill have left? Oh, they have Terry McLaurin. Uh, you know, there's there's you don't have Terry McLaurin. Like, I just think there's there's a lot of different things that go into it. That you know, the 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 notion now that like Bill's the guy that's going to draw people here. I don't know that that's true. I don't even know if that was ever true. And that's why, again, I think maybe your best bet is to just put some of your chips jump into the top seven or eight and get, if it's, I mean, Zach Wilson's the guy I really like. Um, I don't know that he's going to be there. Some people think he's the second best player in the draft. You know, who knows what the Jets are going to do with their pick if Deshaun Watson's involved. I mean, there's so many different factors, but to me, that's, if you like one of those guys, then maybe that's what you got to do. You know, you got a rookie contract for a quarterback and then you can sort of fill in your team and that gives you more money to spend on your own guys and free agents. And, um, you know, you build around that.
0: No question about that. And to your point about the Patriots and Stafford, I would say you know a big part of the draw here was was winning, and and obviously Belichick and Brady together were synonymous with that. And now that it's just Belichick and the team's coming off a of seven and nine, look, he has the six rings, uh, he's the Don, the greatest coach of all time. So some guys will still obviously look at that and say, I want to play for this guy. But it's it's not the automatic it used to be, I think, by any means. And a team like Indy, to your point, might be a little bit closer to contending, and also, as we know, look, Patriot life is different, and it's not for every player, and I wonder if it's for Stafford, but I will say, I think Stafford would be the most interesting case study in the theory of, okay, Bill can coach it up and win with another guy, because I don't think that Bill needs Tom Brady only to win and to win Super Bowls. There's other guys he could win, like, obviously, he could win with Aaron Rodgers, but I just feel like around here, Mike, the bar for what Belichick needs to win is absurdly low in a lot of people's minds. Like, there were people saying he could win with Hoyer, and, like, I don't think he could do that. And I'm not sold that he can win a Super Bowl with any of the top 15 quarterbacks. But for this theory out there, I think Matthew Stafford is actually, like, sort of the ideal guy for this experiment. It's like, okay, Matthew Stafford comes here, and if Bill coaches the mistakes out of him, and all of a sudden they're making it to an AFC Championship game with Matthew Stafford, then you sort of look at it and say, okay, you know, maybe Bill didn't get enough credit, and maybe there is something to this theory...
2: Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, he would be if, if that I, I still want to know who gave I I'm, he's not gonna tell us. I'd love to know which coach or which coaches <laughs> espoused that theory. Because I, know. I, I just that there's I love confidence and I even love a little touch of, you know, you get a little swag, a little you even you want to call it a little, even a little bit of arrogance. I I'm okay with that in, in the professional sporting world. But that to me reeks of like it's hubris. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you've, you've read every press clipping and you believe that you are as wonderful as everyone says you are. And um, we know that that's just, it's just not the way the world works and that's just not the way life in this business is. Um, yeah. But Stafford would be the, I think that the, you're right, because I, I put him in that I don't know, 11, 12, like to me, he's sort of just on the outside of that top 10 and he's had probably seasons where he's definitely been a top 10 quarterback, but if I'm Stafford, who the hell am I throwing to? <laughs> <It's true. laughs> you know, get, get me somebody, anybody better than what you got there right now.
0: So we can't do this podcast and I can't believe we're this far in without talking know, to you. This is,
2: I know. I figured we we're going to go right out of the shoot with no, this. No, <laughs> I, I had to ask you about Barry, I got you, I got but you.
0: without going to your, you know, your BFF, your soulmate, your life partner, one Jimmy Garoppolo and, uh, you know, people can't see on the podcast, but Mike has this wonderful background that you can see on NFL Network that he does. And in the background, there's a, a picture of him interviewing Jimmy Garoppolo. Is that signed, by the way? Uh,
2: There's a different thing that's signed. Yeah, okay. There's, a, there's another one there. Okay.
0: That's not the signed no,
2: one. No bias here at all. <laughs>
0: <whatsoever>. <laughs> that's, but you've been one of the biggest backers of Jimmy G. And it's, it's crazy because it was only a year ago that, you know, Jimmy was in the Super Bowl with the 49ers, I think that the ideal scenario for the Patriots is that the 49ers either jump up in the draft and draft one of these quarterbacks or pursue a Stafford or a Matt Ryan or even a Deshaun Watson. That frees up Jimmy, and Jimmy comes back here. I think that's best for Belichick because he absolutely believed he could win with Jimmy. I think it's best for Jimmy, who's already been to a Super Bowl and needs to be managed a little bit. I want you to think here with your brain, not just your heart, not just your heart, Mike Giardi. How realistic is it that Jimmy Garoppolo lands back in New England this offseason?
2: Well, I mean, there are obviously, as you mentioned, there are a lot of dominoes that need to fall And I think we had a crazy offseason for quarterbacks last year. I have a feeling this one, I mean, already we're in a position where Watson doesn't want to play for Houston anymore. Stafford wants out and now Aaron Rodgers might take his ball and go home or or, or try to force himself to a different place. So those are three massive names that obviously would change the entire landscape of what happens. Kyle Shanahan believes in his system, maybe more than, or as much as anybody, maybe as much as, say, Bill believes in the program he's built here. To Kyle Shanahan, the system is the star. And that's why you heard rumblings of Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard. Oh, I can win with these guys. Like, he didn't dissuade that notion because he really believed it. And then I think he found out this year that he can't win with that. But I think they're going to be – I think he's always going to be someone who's in the market for an upgrade, always looking to find a better guy. Um, and clearly there's some issues that they have with Jimmy. He doesn't push the ball down the field like he would like. I think Jimmy is – this might be taken the wrong way, and it shouldn't be. J- Jimmy was born in a system where independent thinking was was good. And in the San Francisco think, uh, way of doing things, independent thinking is not good. Kyle likes to say they're going to run this coverage. This guy is going to be open and that's where the ball goes. And I think there's a feeling in the quarterbacks camp that, you know, when you're out there and things are happening quickly or you sense a rush here or this happens there, or I see Kittle streaking down the seam and he's not the guy, but I'm going to throw it there. That's great. But if it doesn't work, then you come back to the sideline and you're getting the, I told you what to do and you didn't do it. And I think in, New England, there's been sort of a freedom to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons that they liked Jimmy too, is his ability to process and think independently and read and get rid of it quickly. I think from a, from a, from a stylistic perspective, this would be a great home for Jimmy. I I know that Chicago is of interest to him. That's where home is. That's where his family is. I think he sort of envisions and and Chicago clearly is going to be in the market for a quarterback. Is it, It doesn't look like they're going to run back Trubisky, nor nor should they run back Trubisky. Uh, Advice to them, just unsolicited. (laughs) You don't want to do that. He is what he is. Um, But to me, honestly, when we we talk about Jimmy, I still don't think that's the absolute best option. I think the best option is to go get Zach Wilson. That's the guy I like. That's the guy I think that would work wonderfully in the system. Again, we have no NFL experience. He played at BYU. If you didn't watch him, he's twitchy. He, he does remind me a little bit of Rogers and some of the things that he does. And he does remind me somewhat of Jimmy and some of the things that he does. And I think Jimmy and, and Rogers were at least loosely compared, um, you know, after a couple of years in the league, Julian Edelman, yes. I think for one, well, I know Ji- it, Jimmy
0: right? compared them. Cause I talked to him at super bowl 51 and I said, who's your favorite quarterback to imitate in the scout team. And Jimmy said to me, Aaron Rodgers." I feel like there's a lot of similarities there.
2: Quick twitch, baby, <laughs> <laughs> quick twitch. Um, so to me, look, I, I think it would be a good thing for him and his career to come back. But then when you look at it from the Patriots perspective, he's missed 23 games over the last three years. That's a lot of games. Um, that means you got to have a good backup plan, you know, and that backup plan can't be Brian Hoyer and that backup plan can't be Jared Stidham. Uh, or at least I don't think it can be. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting, Chris, cause I really do believe, I mean, just you start thinking about all the different guys that could move and then the potential for four top 10 quarterbacks and maybe a fifth and Mac Jones in the first round. There's a lot of moving pieces at quarterback, a lot of different, different things are going to happen. And I think when, when it's all settled, we're going to be surprised at who's where and, and, you know, who's changed colors and how, how that all looks when, when the season starts.
0: You did touch on what I wanted to ask you there, which was Jimmy's health. I don't know, you know, how much you've talked to him. He had this High ankle sprain, and you mentioned the games he's missed there are twenty three in San Francisco he started twenty five has an excellent record. Is there any concern moving forward from a health standpoint or you know with with an off season will he be back to normal?
2: I think the feeling is that he's he was pretty much back to normal right by the end, and it was just at that point what 's the what's the rush where if you're at 90%, we're not going to throw you out there because we're not going anywhere and we don't need you to do something again. So I think they feel like he's going to have a normal off season.
0: Well, I know your, your friend, your good friend, Tom Curran, you guys were like the odd couple on NBC sports. Boston has said that the G in Jimmy G stands for glass. I think that's, I I think that's a little harsh to be honest. And I I personally (laughs) want to apologize to Jimmy G because I have said that, uh, he basically is the same as Jared Goff. And I want to apologize because I was wrong. He's better than Jared Goff. So I feel like the G stands Speaking for Goff Plus.
2: That's, and, and, Goff, and can you win with Goff Plus? Yes. I think, you, I think Bill yeah, can. I think yes, can. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, and to Curran's and to point, we've had our share of differences over years. <laughs> but I will say that Tom is someone that when they drafted Garoppolo, he was furious. And I would say that nothing has ever changed with regards to that. I think that 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 Jimmy was cast as this guy in in Tom's world because of what it did to Tom Brady. And there's no there's no changing that. So any chance that he gets to just jam Jimmy upside the head, he's going to do it. I I will say this. I would if Vegas had odds on this, if Jimmy ends up as the quarterback of the Patriots and has a bad game, the odds of Kern jumping into either the post game or the midweek press conference and being very challenging to Jimmy in that moment is I mean I would I would lay all the money take it, wow. put, it put it down stone cold lock.
0: Wow. Well, I will say this, if Jimmy does come back here and again, I I've flipped on this, you know, people are are sort of getting on me cuz but I'll admit, I can admit when I'm wrong. Jimmy's my number one choice. He's the guy I want to be quarterback of the Patriots next year. But there's another reason, Ellen. It's not just on the field. What a succession of quarterback swag the Patriots would have <laughs> to go from Tom Brady to Cam Newton to Jimmy GQ. Well,
1: that's what I mean, that. that's a
0: dynasty in and of itself.
1: I mean, that's yeah. a team and a half. And, you know, we were speaking about that picture you have back there of you and Jimmy G. And I'm sure a lot of the things you have in your background right now is valuable. This is a NFL Network background that we're getting here on the Take 5 podcast I need to point out what I think might be the most valuable thing. And it's that bottle of Clorox wipes. Yes. Do you have more? And is that just a huge (laughs) flex on people to show that you can get wipes and other people can't?
2: Ellen, I have to tell you. So for, for months, I think as many people experienced, you could not find them. Right. And so finally, after, you know, we had a little supply and that supply ran out and I finally just said, all right, you know, I'm paying whatever. So I went on Amazon and I paid like a hundred bucks for like three thirty-five wipe cans, oh my like just God. stupid amount of money. Right. But I'm just like, we used them anyways. We used them long before the pandemic because as Chris can, can tell you, I'm a, an incredible germaphobe. He is incredible it's unbelievable. Germophobe. He really is. So now we have a, now we have a pandemic going on. I mean, this is like, you know, <laughs> by the way, I pass this on to my daughter too. My daughter is an incredible germaphobe. Oh, so so that's geez. healthy. No, that's good. I, I, I apologize, <laughs> Tess, that I did that to you, that you're going to have that for the rest of your life. But um you know, as we went through the period of time in which, uh, and we still are going through it, where a lot of people don't believe that it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I decided that as a public service announcement that I would, you know, hey, just, can we just, look, can we just be clean? Can we just, can we just try wipe stuff up? Can we, can we respect one another? And the, I had to turn it around because they're not a sponsor. So oh. I, I did they notice... made me turn it. Yeah. They made me turn it, but uh, I, I've had people, I've had directors say, hey, do you, do you want that? Yeah, I want that up there. Yeah, that <laughs> That's there. you
1: doing your That's part. The
2: most, uh, if, if I there's, in the other room, there's like a there's like 15 of them now. Because yes, I am hoarding. I'm sorry, I'm hoarding. <laughs> I see them, I buy them now because I, I feel like this is going to go on forever. I should just line them all up right there. <laughs> like get all get rid of all the pictures and the books and the footballs, and Jimmy. Get rid of all that stuff and just lay them all out there.
1: <laughs> you know. Like, you know let's, At the beginning, when when we couldn't find the wipes amidst this pandemic, I searched high and low on the internet. I found a random RV website that was selling them for a bulk set of like 300, like an industrial set. I'll send that information over to you. It was the best purchase I ever made.
2: (laughs) It was weird because I did. I I went to the ends of the year trying to find these things. We also have a lot of um, hand sanitizer in this house because that's another big thing. I kind of live with a hand sanitizer. I've got it in every pocket and every jacket. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of that in my house as well. That is
1: doing your part. Thank you. Thank you for your service.
0: Yeah, that is very impressive. I have to say Mike Giardi is the best at both worlds. He's the Bill Belichick, like genius when it comes to cleanliness And then he, much like Tom Brady, just gets better with age when it comes to reporting. (laughs) Well, Mike, thanks. This was great. We appreciate you taking the time. We know you're busy, obviously, with NFL Network. That's the one and only Mike Giardi of NFL Network. And he is a certified uh, friend of Jimmy Garoppolo. So we got some good info on Jimmy G. I'm
2: a friend of Take 5. I'm a friend of Gasper.
0: You are. You are. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of the Take 5 podcast. We appreciate it, as always. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast so others can find it and enjoy it. And now you can email us at take5 at wcvb.com. We'd love to get your feedback and hear your thoughts. We'll catch you next time.